right. Thanks, Eli. How y'all doing? Good. Man, I, I, I want to say this morning, I'm really jealous. I, this is, again, I'll just tell you one reason why I want one building, is I so just wanted to be with you all. Was worship good? Oh, see, that's just a bummer. No. Yeah. Can you guys just exude a little of that to me? Just kind of pour, I mean, seriously, because what I'm going to share with you is really all about in response to what you guys just did, of having a chance just to soak in God's presence. And, um, and so I, I hope, I, I just wish I could have felt what you were feeling, could have joined you in this um, as, as we move forward into this. But um, Happy New Year, everybody. So, um, and New Year's, right, are a great time. Um, I think that we need to remember that time is actually a gift from God to us. Time is what gives us yesterdays. Anybody glad you have yesterdays? Right, because if, if and I can't, I can't tell you how many people have, I've seen this, they've emailed me, or I've had conversations or seen on Facebook where it's like, thank God 2.13 is over. Anybody feel that way? All right? See, the hands go up. Isn't it interesting? Because if you didn't have time... You couldn't say that. See how that's a gift from God? That somehow he gives us yesterday, and we can know that that's done. And that's a real gift from him. The other thing that's cool about time, though, is we have 2014. We have the new year. Isn't that cool? And something about new year makes us think, okay, maybe this will be new, right? Maybe this will be better. Even the Bible tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. See, that's a cool thing. You put aside the last day and you move on to this next one. So the new year causes us to reflect, but it also causes us to look forward. And so next week, we're going to start this series called A Resolution That Lasts. Okay. So let me just ask you, how many of you actually do resolutions? Okay. See, I think we've just given up on those, haven't we? <clears throat> I think we have a six or seven people who actually do them. The rest of us are like, tried that, doesn't work. Right? <laughs> And I don't want to just set up a bunch of things I'm not going to do a month later. So, but if you look at what the definition of a resolution is, it's just a decision, a firm decision to either do something or to not do something. That's what a resolution is. So do you guys know that God calls us to make resolutions all the time? See, this is, and so what we want to talk about is how can we actually make some firm decisions with God to start doing some things, or how can we make some firm decisions with God to stop doing some things and actually have them last? Because that's what we do. Pretty much our walk with God is receiving from him and then responding to him. And so that's what we're going to kick off our year with next week, and I'm really excited about that. So today, what I wanted to do is we'll be talking about your life and my life and how we walk with Christ next week, but today I kind of wanted, instead of just individually, I wanted to talk corporately a little bit and reflect and look forward and for us as a church. What does it mean for us as a church to make some decisions firmly and to, to make sure that we're responding to God and doing um, what we want to do? And, and when I thought about that, because the truth is, when you make resolutions, all you're doing is saying, this is the life that I want to live. And really, when you're saying that is you're just saying, this is what I love, so when we thought about doing this message, this one single message to kick off the year, that was the title that hit me immediately. I just want to talk about what we love at K2 The Church. Because what you love is what you give yourself to. That's just, that's what you do. So, and so here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to share with you what we love here at K2 The Church so that you can know as a part of this body, well, what do we give ourselves to? 
And this is the time every four months we give you a financial update. So I'm going to give you a financial update. But um, I have to do something first. <laughs> and that is, as I sat with this message this week, and even again fresh this morning as I was walking through my notes, I realized that I'm, I, uh, as much as I think I know what love is, um, I've been really challenged. I, I'm, I'm my heart and my mind, personally, this morning with you, is just really challenged on what it means to love. I think we say we love things all the time. And I think we're very confused. I know I am. Can I just confess to you? I'm very confused. And I think Jesus is kind of trying to get some fog out of our hearts and our minds so that we can, when we say this is what we love, we actually are in agreement with what love really means. Okay? So you guys ready to dive into what love is? Yes. Okay. Thank you. We're in. And, uh, but let's dive into what love is because then when we talk about what we love here at K2, it'll make a whole lot more sense, all right? So let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of this new year. And we do thank you that you have uh, given us this gift of time. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, God, that whatever faces us this day, January 5th, 2014, you have mercy for us, you have grace for us, that we have everything we need for the life that you've called us to. And so, but God, I just want to ask now, in this moment, would you come and just, would your word speak clearly? Would you give me grace to be able to teach clearly? And would you help us to understand what it means to, when we say that we really love something? And I just pray you'd give us that and, and that you would move, that your presence would be manifest in this place. And as we talked about on Christmas Eve, your glory, really, of grace and truth, would be felt in our hearts, would renew our minds, and help us to live the transformed lives that you sent Jesus to help us to live. And we pray for it and ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, <clears throat> what do we love? So, I, my, one of the first questions I had as I was putting this uh, message together is I was just thinking, well, how do we know if we love anything? How, how do you actually know if you love something? <clears throat> and I had some ideas on that, and I was writing them all down. And then I went to the dictionary on my computer, and I just thought, I'm going to see what, what, the de what the dictionary uh, says love is, okay? Here's, here's, what the here's what the definition was. Love is an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. So love is an intense feeling of deep affection and great interest and pleasure in something. And so that was the noun. So then I went to the verb, and I'm like, okay, so well, what's the verb? What does it mean to love then? And this was what the verb was. Love is to feel a deep romantic or sexual attachment, like something very much, and find pleasure in it. And so I scrolled down, and I'm like, okay, there's got to be more. There wasn't any more. And I'm like, that's it? Do you guys find, it that, do you find that to be ironic at all? See, and, and maybe you don't. You're like, is that love? And I'm like, well, that's a portion. I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly, right? When, when you taste something great, you go, man, I love that meal, or I love that sunset, or I love whatever it is because you do feel something for it. So that's a part of the definition. But I was shocked that the definition just stopped, and especially when it said this is what it means to love, it means to feel something for it. And I'm like, okay, I think here's where we struggle. Because, do you guys know how dictionaries work, right? Did you know dictionaries actually change through time? 
All right? So you can look at a word and then you can say, wow, the way that this word was defined 200 years ago was completely different because they just use it. So what dictionaries do is they figure out how is the word being used today, and then that's the definition that we find in our dictionaries. So in our culture today, when we say, man, we love something, it means, man, you make me feel good. I get feelings from that. And so I love it. Okay, so how do you love it? Well, I feel it. I'm like, okay, great. So I had, I had a little different premise coming into this. And I, mine was this. How do, you, how do we know if we love something? Well, let me ask you another question. How do you know that somebody loves you? How do you know if somebody actually loves you? So I, I thought this. Like, I do think that you give. If you love something, you actually give to it. And that may be triggered by feelings, but eventually it moves into action. So when you love something, you give your attention or your time or your energy or your talent. You give your resources to it. And, that, and you guys, that is just true. The things that you love, you give yourself to them. You can just find out where, what gets your time and what gets your resource and what gets your energy. Um, and, so, and, and so then I was thinking, it's like, okay, well, apparently there must be a difference here between human love and God's love. Because when humans, right now, when we're defining love, we're saying it's just a feeling. But God's love is really different. And here's why I think it's different. Because in John 13, 34, Jesus says this. He says, a new command I give you, I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Well, if we took our definition and understanding of love, what Jesus was saying, a new command I give you have strong affections and feelings for one another. Now, have any of you tried to make yourself feel love for anybody? You ever tried to do that? Does that work? You know, I mean, been, we've even had love songs written about that. It's like, you, I can't make you love me, right? And you might try to make someone love you, right? And so what we're really trying to do, it's, it's just a funny command because if Jesus is saying, a new command I give you, feel something for another human being we're in trouble aren't we so apparently his love must be something different than just feelings and what he says is as i have loved you so you must love one another and then first john three sixteen. here's the definition this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us See, there's the Bible's definition of love. Love is a verb. Now, I, I'm just, let me, I don't want to just tie this down. Do you, do you think that God actually feels affection for you? Do you? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. In fact, sometimes when I'm struggling to feel love for another human being, I'll ask God and say, God, would you give me some of that? Because I ain't got it right now, Right? And so, and, and the thing is, I have experienced God can pour his love into your heart so that you can actually have his heart for another human being. But when the Bible defines love, it says love is laying your life down. Love is you give yourself away. And for us, too much of the time when we say we love something, we just say that we have feelings for it. So, you all have a, a card on your seat. If you, do, if you have a pen and stuff, I want to... I want to ask you to do something for me real quick. So grab your three-by-five card, 
and, uh, and grab a pen if you got one. And I'd love to give you, this doesn't have to take long, because if it takes long, you, you aren't writing down the right answer anyway, all right? So very quickly, here's what I want you to do, and this is just for you, okay? This is for your own heart. I want you to write down what you love. Okay, blank stares. No, just write down what you love. <laughs> this is just very easy. It can be things, it can be people, it can be whatever. Just go to your heart right now and write down what you love. If you don't have a pen, think about it. Just think about in your own heart and your mind. What is it that you love? Who is it that you love? All right, you can keep writing as I, as I continue to talk or keep thinking about this. As soon as I did that, I just went, what do I love? I wrote it down on my sheet of paper. And, and literally, in like 15 seconds, I just wrote, because there are just certain things I just know that I love. And I put, them, I put them down. And here's what happened to me. How many of the things on your list that you see on your piece of paper do you have feelings for? How many of you would say you have, yeah, you, you do, you feel, okay, okay. So these are tied together. Everything I wrote down on my piece of paper, I had affection for as well. But what I realized is I have stuff on my piece of paper that I have not done anything about in a long period of time. So I have just, for the last two or three days, I've been wrecked. Because I think there are things that I love and I know now that there are people that I love as far as having the feeling that are, I'm not actually giving myself away to. When's the last time I initiated the conversation or that I called or I did the act of service, right? You know the five love languages, right? When was the last time I did the word of encouragement or the act of service? And so I'm, I'm feeling this sense of like, oh my gosh, in my own heart, I can get, it's not totally being duped, but I can come to the point where I really think I love someone or something, but my actions aren't showing it. Don't you, do anybody else, you guys see any of this on your, on your sheet of paper? So what happens to us, I think, Sometimes, very quickly, we can say, oh yeah, I love so-and-so, or I love my friend, or I love this, or I love that. And then, what I want to challenge you on today is which love is it? Is it the gooey one in the dictionary, or is it the one from God that says, if you love, you give yourself away to this thing? 
I'm sure you didn't have enough time. Maybe, maybe fine, 15 minutes later today. Take your card and go home and actually really write down or sit on your computer, do whatever you want and write down what you say you love and then see how much of the actual action is getting to that. And so because when, when, I, when I started thinking about this, I realized something has to change, okay? Something has to change in humanity because humanity really only loves if we feel things. That's the other piece of this. Sometimes you can actually feel things and still not actually love. Sometimes, that's, I think that happens in marriage all the time, where we say, I, I love my husband or I love my wife, and yet we actually haven't given ourselves away to them. So they even know they're loved. Kids, this is huge, parents and kids. There are way too many kids who have no sense that they're really loved by their dad or by their mom. And yet you'd ask the mom or dad, do you love your kid? Oh, man, love them. And yet our kids don't even know it because we feel it, but we don't do anything about it. So I, I just go, okay, something's got to change here, all right? And, and here's what's cool is the Bible says we can love because he first loved us. So let me just ask you a question. So what does God love? Okay, this isn't that hard. What, what does God love? Yes, he loves you. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that? Okay, that, all that was probably right, whatever you just said. Here's how you know God loves you. He did something about it. I do think he feels crazily for us, but the way we know God loves us is because he gave his very life for us. Look at this, 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and because he loved us, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You guys, this is so huge, because if I'm going to love, not just when I feel like it, but if I'm going to love as someone who gives, then something supernatural has to happen. Something's got to change in my heart to make me like this. And what changes is, God, I have to be so dearly loved by God, you've got to know that he loves you. So the Bible says this is how you can know. You had this thing inside of you called sin, and every human being has it. And when Jesus was dying for us, that wasn't just to show the world, hey, I really love the Father, and I'll even suffer for him. No. He was on the cross because he was up there, the Bible says, taking away your sin and putting it upon himself and taking it away. Does that not sound good? See, because if our sin gets taken away, now I have a chance to be completely forgiven from God. See, what Jesus was doing was reconciling us back to God so that we could receive his love. That's huge. And then Romans 5.5 5 goes on. It says, and this hope doesn't lead to disappointment, for we know how dear, you see this? We know how dearly God loves us. Really? How? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Yes, what, what is love? God gives his son to take away your sin. And then he gives you his spirit so that there's not a moment of any day ever that you're not with God. This is, his, this is eternal life, you guys. Jesus said that you know him. 
So he gives you Jesus, he gives you his Holy Spirit, and then look at Romans 8, 32. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us what? Seriously? I don't know if you guys were here last year, but we started off the year with a whole series called How to Be Rich. And the reason we did that series is we wanted to say, do you guys have any idea how spiritually rich we are? God gives you his son to take away your sin. He gives you his spirit so he can be with you every day. And then he goes, and now I just want to graciously give you like everything. Everything you need for life. You guys, this is love. Okay, anyway, I, I just want to tell you, I, 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 am, I want to, you know what I want? I want to love you better. Anybody else in here want to love better? I mean, I, I want to love my wife better, my children better. I want to really love you. And if we're going to really love each other, then it cannot be based on, hey, this is good. You make me feel good. So now I'll love you. Because we all know we're not going to make each other feel good all the time, right? And then human love falls apart. We need a love that says, I'm going to give myself to you. And the only way I think that that can happen is you got to have God's love inside your heart. You got to know he loves you even when you, could, when you were so unlovable. <laughs> He goes, that's exactly the best time for me to love you. All right, so now let's bring this home to K2. Because the question, and this is why I, you know, I, was, I was agonizing with Susie this morning. I'm like, I have to share this deeper part about love. Because let me ask you, I, mean, I don't even, even want to ask you. Um, <laughs> I, I want to and I don't. Because normally I'd say, how many of you love K2? Well, you're here and you'd be like, woohoo, you know. But I, it's true. I mean, I, I, I talk to people in the parking lot. And, Man, I really love I love what's, what's going on. And so what I want to share with you today, though, is, well, what do we love? If we're a church and we say we love, I want to, what gets our time? What gets our attention? What gets our devotion? What gets our resources? And I'm, and I'm going to share that with you. But before I do, can I just ask you a question? What is K2? Family? It's a, K2 is a what? Yeah, so it's a church. And what's the church? Lots of different things, okay? So let me just kind of nail this down. Here's what, here's what the church is. The Bible tells us that the church is the body of Jesus Christ and the church is his bride. Do you guys know that? That's what we are. When we're gathered right here, the Bible says, you know what you guys are? You are the body of Christ and you are his bride. Look at this, look at this passage, Ephesians chapter five. It says, husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds and he cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. And those verses right there, it's a great passage, man. Unbelievable stuff about marriage. But Paul's whole point was here. In fact, later on, right after this, he goes, listen, I, I, this is all great. He goes, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. And so what he says is two beautiful things. The first thing is, because again, I say this all the time, but in America, we always say, hey, I'm going to go to church. 
And church for us is an hour and a half uh, gathering. And the, and, but do you guys see this? Like, oh my gosh, no, you know what the church is? It's us. And when we gather together, what we are is we are his bride. So now let me ask you, how many of you would say you love Jesus? Okay, right? You're in church, so we love Jesus, right? Well, if you love Jesus, then what do you have to love? His church. Why? Because he's saying, because when you care for the body, you're, what is the body? He goes, it's me. So what all he's saying, you guys, is tangibly, you can say in your heart, and this is why I, wanted to do, I had to do the first part of this message. When you raise your hand and you say, do you love Jesus? Much of the time, what we'll feel is, yes, I have affection for him. Yes, I'm grateful for what he's done for me. Yes, I feel things, I, I love Jesus. But if we go, okay, how are you tangibly showing that? How are you laying down your life for Jesus? How does he get your time? How does he get your resource? How does he get your talent? Because if you love somebody, biblically, you lay down your life. How do we do that for Christ? Christ says, you give yourself to the church. And the other thing he says, it's not just my body, it's my bride, okay? Now, my bride's sitting over here, all right? If you love me, if you say you love me and you don't love her, do you love me? No way, baby. Don't say you love me and I love my bride. She's, she, we're one, right? And so Jesus, again, he says, the church, you guys, and I love this because the other thing it's doing for me is it's helping me to realize, do you guys know how much Jesus cares about us? Oh my gosh, we're his bride and we are his body. And so, K to the church, that's what we are. If we're gonna love Jesus, then what we do is we love this place and we don't just feel affection for this place, we lay down our lives for it, all right? So, now let me get to the nitty gritty uh, details of how I wanna share with you what we love. The first thing I need to do, because we said we do this every four months, is we just give a financial update. So let me give you the financial update of how we're doing to kick off the new 2014. Um, when we put our budget together uh, back in April, because um, we actually go July to June, so our, our budget year follows kind of our ministry season. So back in April, when we were putting our budget together at K2, we were actually getting a little over $32,000 a week in our, at, throughout all last year. So... When we put our budget together, we said, well, let's budget at 32 then. Let's just be a little bit less than what we're bringing in. And can I just say, I just, again, I just want to say thank you. Because last year, when you guys rose up to 32000 it allowed us to finally put money back into what we, we try to manage our money well. And we put money in reserves to make sure that we were financially stable and secure. But it also allowed us to enhance every ministry and kind of get them to where they were about three or four years ago <laughs> before the economy hit. All right? So we were at 32000 and um, this year, six months into our budget, we've been averaging 27.5. So just need to, and here's what I know, I just need to let you know, and here's, because here's what I know, I know you love this place, I, I do, I know you do, and so, but our reality is we're at about $115,000 short right now from our first six months of giving. Now, can I give you some good news? Here's some good news. At the same time, our staff has not been spending at the budget level either. So we're totally decreasing that. And the good news is, because of the reserves that were in place, we're doing fine. We're, we're doing really, we're doing good. We're do okay. But you do know, if we keep being about 4,000 a week short, eventually we would have to make some changes. So that's where we're at, and that's just the state of where we are. Here's the other thing I want to celebrate, though, with you, is 
you guys are being unbelievably generous. So for our Everyone Matters thing that we've been doing since the fall, you guys, let me get the number here, already $792,000 have been given to, to Everyone Matters. No, that, that, that is phenomenal. Now, and that's not pledges, okay? That's actual, so there's been amazing generosity here. 38, another $38,000 has been given to our missions. So we, man, we are celebrating your generosity. I just need to let you know where we're at on our daily operations, okay? And now, let me just kind of close with share, sharing with you, what do we love at K2 the church? So as a church, what do we give our resources to? When you give them to, uh, to, to the church, where do they go? And where do we, where, what gets our time? And what gets our, our talent? And what gets our energy? What do we give ourselves to? I got four things that I want to share with you to kind of close things off, all right? The first thing that we love at K2, obviously, if you look at our budget and if you look at the time and the resources, is we love this, right? We love the corporate gathering of God. We love to bring other people together. We love to join together for a few different reasons. Number one is we love to hear his word. From the beginning of time, you guys, the church has always gathered around God's word. And it, when the church started, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They said, okay, and here's why. Because God's word is alive, it's active. God's word is what helps us to know what is right and good with God and what's not. It, when it says it's a double-edged sword, it says God's word is what comes right in and it helps you to know, wow, these are my thoughts and these are God's thoughts. I'm telling you, that's really important if we're gonna know the truth. So we gather together here and we teach because we believe with all of our heart that God speaks to us. And this is a huge portion of what we do because 1,400 people every week gather here to let God speak to us. That's huge. The second thing that we do is why we, why we do this is because of the first portion that you had, the worship, right? Again, Whenever the people of God have been together, they gather together to worship God. It is so important for your heart. Worship, every time, gives you a chance to say, God, you are and I'm not. You are and you praise him. It's a way that you love him. It exercises your faith and your heart to give God praise and to give him thanks and to say, I love you, God. But here's what's so cool is then he says, and then I'll inhabit your praises. So when you're worshiping God and when you're praising him here on a Sunday morning, do you know why we gather together like this? How many of you actually worship by yourself in your home? Anybody do that? Okay, cool. About a third of you. I, I try to do that too. And, and that's, it's good for me. But isn't it different when you're gathered together? There's something different here. God says, I will inhabit your praises. In other words, his presence comes when we praise him. So we put a lot of resource and a lot of time and a lot of energy into this time because his word gets taught, because his presence comes when he speaks through his word and when we praise him. And every time we gather together, Jesus says, I will be there. I I'm telling you, I, I love our Sunday mornings and I pray for him like crazy every time. Because I actually really do believe that we have a chance every time we gather together here to walk out differently than the way we came in because we've engaged with God. Now, here's the other reason we pour a lot of resource and time into this Sunday morning. It's because this has been a great gathering. 
Every, you guys, and we showed, shared with you, last year, 6,500 different people showed up to Sunday morning. That means 6,500 different people had a chance to come in and hear God's word and be in his presence as we worshiped him. So when we say everyone matters, you do. And that's why we do this. That's why we have our connections team and our parking lot crew and the security. It's because this is a major portion of what it means for us to engage with God, to hear from him, to receive from him, and to move forward as a church. Okay? So number one, what do we love? We love our Sunday morning gathering because of those things. Here's the second thing we love. We love your kids. I mean, we really do. Again, if you look at our, at our, our budget and you look, where's our resource go into? Where's our staffing? Where does our time and our energy? We love your kids. When you think about your elementary kids, and the Bible says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know what's wild? Is, that's not a promise, by the way, right? You guys know that? Because there have been people who have definitely trained up their kids, and their kids went, what? Right? So, but what this, what this ha- is research right now, not just Christian research, research around the world is proving this to be true. And that is that spiritual, moral development and the development of our values, the foundation for where we go for the rest of our life is laid down by the age of, anybody know? Nine. Nine years old. So that means for Susie and I, Caleb turns nine in six weeks and then we're done. All right? Holy crow, we missed it. I mean, seriously, that, when I told her that, that age, we all went, like, are you kidding me? Now, it doesn't mean that God, things can't change, but the foundation is laid before nine years old. And so, guess what? We care about your kids. Now, there's no way that just our hour and a half in here is going to completely, you know, you're, if you're a parent, you're laying the moral development and foundation for your children. What we want to do, though, is we want to come alongside you. And I have been blown away what my kids will say from the back of the van. And I'll sit there and I go, where did you learn that? Adventure Canyon. I am, I am so grateful for our kids' ministry. It has changed the lives of my children. And so we care about your kids, and we are going to resource that, and we're going to give our lives to that. But not just your young kids. We care about your teenagers. That's because my daughter's in junior high now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, we, we have cared from the beginning But can I tell you another fascinating statistic? The first two years of puberty, right? So now we're getting into junior high, maybe a little earlier than that, but the first two years of puberty are outside of zero to two, the biggest time of developmental change in your life. So obviously we see all the physical changes, we see the emotional changes, but actually what's happening is they're beginning to think abstractly for the first time. And it's a beautiful thing because what they're doing is they're becoming who they are. And this is of God. It's like I remember when I did youth ministry, man, my job was just to say the same things parents say, but they'll listen to me instead. Yeah? And, but that's really important. But I also realized that my job, and now as a parent, my job, and I told Mariah this already. I said, Mariah, here's the deal. By the time you graduate from high school, my job for the next, for whatever we got, five years, is to make sure that you're completely independent. And you can walk out those doors and you can face this world because you know Jesus and you're grounded. I'm telling you, man, when junior high hits and these kids enter into teenage years, they are for the first time seeing more, maybe not for the first time, they're just seeing more clearly how messed up mom and dad are. 
aren't they? So now what they're doing is they're starting to make their own decisions, which they need to do about who God is. And they will question what we think. And they will question what we believe. And they need to do that. And so we're going to have a youth ministry that will walk beside your kids. And here's the other thing. You all know this. They're going to care way more about what their peers say than what you say. So, man, we need a group of peers who will encourage each other and support each other during this year when our culture is going to hell in a handbasket in many ways. So, so guess what we do? We love your kids, man. So when you give, we're going to pour resource into your children at the most developmental stages of their lives so they have a chance to really know Christ and to get their deep roots deep. Okay? Those are, we love corporate gathering. We love your kids. Number three, we love those who are in need. I'm not going to go into this. And we've talked a lot about this. Even our Everyone Matters campaign, right? We, we, we um, uh, gave 10% right off the top. But we are committed. Jesus said, if you do it to the least of these, you do it to who? To him. So if you love Jesus, again, then tangibly the way that you do that is you love those who are in need. You show compassion and you show mercy. And so we do that all the time because we're committed to doing that. But I do want to say the fourth thing that we love, corporate gathering, your children, the ministry out there, is we also love you, and we love you growing in your faith. So we've put a lot of time and effort into base camp, and again, just to share with you, if you're new and you want to lay the foundation for that, for all of you who are Christians, that Jesus said, hey, go make some disciples, we've given you a tool to be able to do that well with base camp. And so every month, there's a new base camp class so that you can take your first steps of getting rooted in your establishing your faith. Now, for the rest of you who are in here and you're like, hey, I got that. I got the basics. I, I, I want more. We've got K2U coming up. And if you saw in the feed, we've got some really cool stuff. We have transitions that's available this month, which is going to be a great opportunity. In this culture, people really struggle at times to say, how do I, I grew up in the LDS faith. I've moved into accepting this grace and complete forgiveness of Christ. But, oh my goodness, there's a, there's a lot of transition that needs to take place. Um, Paul, Murphy, Paul Murphy, who spoke last week, is going to be leading that. And I just want to encourage you, fantastic opportunity to grow there. The financial piece, the next step. Sometimes financially, man, it is, it's, it's one of the number one killers of your marriage. It's the number one of the number one stress givers in your life. And if you need to find freedom in that, you can please join us in that one. And then the, the, uh, the third new offering is uh, I'm going to be teaching the book of Ephesians. And for some of you, if you've just been going, I just want to get into God's word more. I personally, the book of Ephesians rocks. It's amazing. It will go into deep theological stuff and at the same time show you practically exactly how to live this out. And so if you'd like to join us, we'll be starting at the end of the month on the 29th. But we, we are committed. What we love is we want you to know Jesus. We really want you to know him. And so there's some offerings for you right there. And then lastly, right along this with, because we do this all the time, is our Life Together groups, you guys. From day one, what we love is all of us being loved. And it's not going to happen just in this hour here, right? If you're going to really be loved and be supported in when life is hard, if you're going to be encouraged, if you're going to have friendship, if you're going to learn how to tangibly live out all this kind of stuff, that's why we have Life Together groups. And so they're all over the place, all different nights of the week, all different places in the valley, because if you're going to really grow in your relationship with God, you got to do it in relationship, all right? So there you go. What do we love? 
Well, you love what you give your life to. And at K2, we're giving our life and our resource and our time and our energy to this gathering, to our ministry out, to your kids, to your own growth, because we believe that Jesus Christ loves the church. He loves us. And he wants us to be on mission to let the rest of the world know that he loves them too. All right? It's what we love. So I guess my question to you is, what do you love? Good answer. <clears throat> what do you love? And I want to really encourage you to take your card and figure out not just what do you have affection for, but what do you love? What do you lay your life down for? What do you give your life to? What are your resources? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the reminder today that you love us. Thank you for the reminder again, Jesus, that you came when we didn't even care about you, when we were totally stuck in our sin, when we were unable to even walk with you. You didn't come because we were doing so many good things. You came by your grace because you love us and you gave your life for us and you took away our sin. And God, we praise you and we worship you because you gave us your Holy Spirit so that you could be with us every moment of every day, helping us in every situation of our life to know you, to be free from sin, and to be free of love and peace and joy and your power. And we worship you and we praise you, God, because you now want to give us graciously all things. Lord, would you change us? Would you help us to be a group of people that don't just love because we feel something, but that we are a group of people who have been so deeply loved by you that we give ourselves away and we love each other deeply from the heart. We ask for that grace, God. We want to love like you love. In Jesus' name, amen.